Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and founding pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. So David, guess how long I've known our special guest today. Well, I'm going to start with my fingers and my toes, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get, you know, high enough. Well, Ursul Harrison is our special guest today, and I have known Ursul since, well, I, I think it's been since 1990 is when I first met Ursul. Well, yeah, I do not have 31 fingers and toes, so I can't count quite that high. But that's impressive. So you've known this guy a while, right? <laughs> well, even though I've known Ursul since 1990, the man has not changed at all. He looks exactly the same that he did in 1990. Can you believe that? Well, you know, he has found the secret to life, huh? I have really loved getting to know Ursula as well during my time at Pinnacle. He's been a great mentor and, and guide for me as, uh, as I've been moving through this uh, part of my ministry life. And he's a great encourager, and I really appreciate that about Ursula. Well, today, Ursula is joining us to talk about Chapter 4 of Reshape by Mark Tidsworth. The chapter title is called debriefing our experience. And among the many ways that Ursul serves churches through Pinnacle, he's also coaching in the Reshaping Church Initiative. It's a partnership between Pinnacle and Central Baptist Theological Seminary, sponsored by Lilly, and he's currently coaching three churches as they work through that reshaping process. So, let's talk about coming back after COVID, debriefing our experience. Well, Rhonda, you know, we are coming out of this weird season in church life, a, a year plus of really down in the trenches dealing with the effects of COVID and how that has changed our life as church communities. It seems like we're seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, um, probably still in the tunnel, uh, but this may be, we're getting to that point, we're debriefing um, looking back at what we've experienced and processing that a little bit would be helpful as we try to figure out where we're going from here. Is that something that you all have been doing in your congregation already or something you're kind of on the edge of starting? Where are you in the process? <laughs> well, I would say I am just beginning to think about how we might debrief our COVID experience. We aren't there yet, but just beginning to think about it. And you know, what's interesting, I was um, talking with my dear friend, her name is Lisa Hood. She is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lafayette, Indiana. And she participated in a webinar. I'm not sure who it was through, but the presenter was suggesting that it will take us nine years as a culture and as a people, nine years to recover from this pandemic, uh, just from a mental health perspective. And so, you know, we were thinking about how, you know, how can we practically as pastors um, plan for this debriefing. And during this webinar, they suggested that um, churches could be a natural place to have peer support groups, uh, that this isn't happening kind of naturally out there in the world, but that churches could be a natural place for that. Yeah, you know, for you to say that nine-year thing, the nine years of recovering from this from a mental health standpoint, I don't know if that means we're going to constantly be looking over our shoulders for the next 
pandemic or, or how that sort of plays out. But I really resonate with that idea that maybe, just maybe, the church could be an asset to human beings out in the wider world in helping to debrief and process. So you've just taken this, for me, from a conversation about what are we doing within the body of Christ to how can we, as the body of Christ, help the wider world to process and debrief and really come to terms with what we've experienced over the last 12 months. I I think we at the welcome table are just at the beginning of this process as well. Um, As we've talked about on the podcast, we're still worshiping 100% virtually. We've done a few in-person events outdoors over the, the past months. But just last week in our Zoom gathering, we started some of this conversation. And I think for me, it's going to be important that we don't just skip over the debriefing part and try to move forward without thinking about what we've been through. Um, If there are going to be some of those emotional or mental hurdles to overcome, and, and what we can learn. Uh, I think all of that's a part of this debriefing, the looking back over the last year. Yeah, well, I think that probably some of us pastors are more naturally gifted with processing and the debriefing of the experience. For instance, I'm an Enneagram 7. Uh, debriefing experiences aren't my natural forte because I'm, you know, thinking about what's fun and what's next. Um, and so I, some pastors will be more naturally gifted at that. But um, I, I do think that it's going to be important moving forward that that we have to kind of uh, process, perhaps grieve, and, and, and then we can kind of step into our future together. And so with that, let's go ahead and welcome Ursul Harrison. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you guys today, uh, David and Rhonda. This is something that uh, I've kind of uh, feared, but I look forward to the opportunity to converse with you about the debriefing process. Well, Ursula, I know you and I both have been a part of this Central Seminary Lilly Grant project and that you're coaching three congregations through the reshaping process. Three churches kind of spread out. Um, and tell us a little bit about the process. Um, I know we're still in the middle of it, but what are you observing and noticing from the churches that you're working with? Well, David, what I'm seeing is just like many of us, churches are in a lot of different places. Uh, some are ready to do the debriefing, to talk and uh, have some time together to process what's happened over the last 14 to 15 months. Some are in denial. They're not ready to deal with this at all. And then there are some that are still trying to decide what they're going to do next week. So we've got to really, we've got to really respect that. Uh, you know, we can't push this. And I think that this is where pastors are in a very sensitive situation. I think a lot of pastors want to start this debriefing process, but they're finding congregations are uh, at different points in, in dealing with it. So it's a, it's a very a specific thing to each congregation I'm working with. And uh, the three that I am uh, working with through the reshaping process are in very different places. 
So, Ursul, in the Reshape book, in the chapter on debriefing our experience, uh, Mark begins the chapter with a section on hope, which I think is great. It, it, he starts with a story about Admiral Stockdale and his leadership style in the Vietnam era, that his leadership style was one of ruthless honesty plus unwavering hope. So, my question for you is, what do we as church leaders need to be ruthlessly honest about, and where do we find the unwavering hope. In the uh, area of positive psychology, there's a term called realistic optimism. I think it reflects this same kind of concept. There is an optimism that says, well, it kind of a mindless optimism that says, you know, everything's going to be okay, hearts and flowers, no problems, we're going to move on. And then there's the, the, the optimism that looks at reality and says, here are some things I can control. Here are some things I cannot control. And the realistic optimist says, there are some things I'm not going to control, but what I can do, I will do. And so I I think that's uh, an attitude that we can bring to this. Uh, Being very perceptive about our context, very understanding about where our people are, and then uh, where there's possibility to make some changes, to do some uh, work, to move forward, we grasp that opportunity and we continue to do that. I think that uh, church leaders can be ruthlessly honest about several things. One is that uh, there are going to be differences of opinions among church members. You know, some are ready to come back right now. Some are still reluctant. Some want to get back to uh, things as usual, whatever that means today. And some are, are really realistic about the fact that things have changed and we can't do things exactly the same way. I think there are some members in congregations who have moved on through the pandemic. For one reason or another, they have found that they're not happy with the way their congregations have handled uh, what's been going on during pandemic. And they may have uh, found other groups to affiliate with. And my advice to pastors in this situation is don't obsess about that. You know, make a contact, find out what's going on. But if they honestly have found a way to uh, engage with another group of people that's meaningful to them, let it happen. And then invest yourself in the folks who are still present uh, in your congregation. On the other hand, I think we can celebrate some of the ministries that have come out of the pandemic. I think many of our leaders, our pastoral leaders and church staff have really developed some quality online worship and have learned some things from that. And I would hope that some of those lessons can be carried over into uh, into worship leadership, both virtual and uh, in-person in the days ahead. Bible study through Zoom and other platforms has uh, succeeded in many ways and has engaged some folks who have not been in Bible study in congregations. When you can engage people who are in other parts of the country, are people who no longer can attend your worship uh, and Bible study on Sunday morning. It's an expansion of your ministry, and it's a great opportunity. One of the things that I've really been impressed with many congregations is their ability to continue their ministry in the community during the pandemic. Uh, they haven't given up on working with, uh, with homeless people, with uh, others with significant needs in the community, and have found very creative ways to engage. So, You know, we can be very honest and uh, optimistic about the fact that we've been able to adapt in many ways. We we may have been forced into adaptive change, something we weren't expecting, 
but I think it's really accelerated some opportunities. And so that brings hope to me. That gives me hope in what churches are able to do. Right. I think we've all been forced, some of us kicking and screaming into changing some of the ways we've always done things. Uh, So it seems like maybe not even for just the Enneagram sevens among us, Mm -hmm. that it might just be easier to forget the painful parts, especially of the last year, the havoc that was wreaked on our personal life or in the life of our churches. It seems like denial or just pushing past some of that could be a pretty easy and maybe comfortable thing for us to do as churches and as church leaders. So how do you see us leaning in and overcoming that tendency toward denial, kind of coming to terms with what we've been through? Maybe we're doing that well, maybe we're not. And then if we do it well, what does that set us up for? Yeah, I think that if we if we do give in to denial, it's going to come back to bite us at some point. Uh, we may try to... Uh, the term I like to use is gunny sack it, you know, stick it in the gunny sack and hope it goes away. But eventually it gets out of the gunny sack. It comes back to, uh, to plague us in some way. So we've got to find ways to start talking with each other. One way is, um, is small group opportunities. And uh, whether that's online or in person going forward, one of the, the things I've learned in working with churches in the reshaping church process is that, uh, People have enjoyed the opportunity just to hear what others have been thinking. I was involved in one online group and uh, good conversation in, in breakout groups. We came back together and had a discussion. And one of the younger members of the congregation said, you know, I've learned a lot here because my approach to this whole thing is that our congregation has been very adaptive and innovative. But if, as I listen to other people, I realize not everyone is at the same place I am. Some are dealing with real grief and loss. And uh, we've got to hear that. We've got to listen to each other and find ways to, uh, to come to some common agreement about where we go from here. We too often fall into the assumption that everybody else is having the same experience we are, and that's certainly not true. I love the idea of being able to debrief our experience in small groups, um, like you were talking about, but oh, do you know of some other practical ways that pastors can lead congregations to acknowledge the realities of what we have experienced over this past year? And, you know, I, I picked up some great ideas from uh, talking with pastors in different situations. Uh, visited with a pastor the other day online, and one of the things they're doing as they're coming back together in uh, in-person services is uh, doing testimonies, inviting people in the congregation just to share what it's been like for them not to be able to assemble together. And they've included people from all age groups, you know, from the older to the youngest, and given them the opportunity to talk about that. You know, there's been a lot of loss during this time, and we need to acknowledge that and uh, give people the opportunity to talk about it. I think another thing is that pastors can address this from the pulpit. You know, there are some good biblical themes here that can be picked up and shared. Coming back from exile and and the celebration of coming back to uh, uh, the land that God has given us. Even though the the building is not everything, the opportunity to be together is very significant. And uh, I think that's what we're celebrating as we come back together. It's not 
being in the building. It's being with each other and having that time together. So I, I think those kind of things. Um, Talked to another pastor who said this summer, as they find opportunities to be together in person, they're going to spend time in just celebration. They're going to find things to do just to enjoy being with each other. They're going to party, you know, and uh, it's going to be a, an opportunity just to reconnect with people that they haven't seen in a while. I love that image of the church regathering as a party, you know, as a party to celebrate uh, all that God has led us through and been present with us in the midst of over this year. I want to go back just a little bit, though, because several times in the conversation so far, we've spoken about loss or grief. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that whether it's unspoken or spoken, it's definitely one of the emotions that's present in our experience right now. And grief really, I think, can be a part of our experience through life, even in some of the more joyful and hopeful experiences or transitions in life. With every transition, it seems there's at least a little bit of grief and loss about what once was or what could have been moving forward. Uh, would you just say a word about how we can bring that grief out in the open and why we might want to do that as a part of our debriefing process? Well, I think part of the situation we find ourselves in, David, is that sometimes we feel that God is not ready to handle our grief and anger. And and God certainly is capable of handling everything we have to, uh, to place upon God. I love the exercise that Mark suggested in the Reshape book about letters to God, you know, uh, asking those questions about uh, what have I lost during this event and what have I learned? And that really reflects for me the, what we see in the Psalms so often. You know, Psalms are very candid. The, the, those who wrote the Psalms were very straightforward. Sometimes they're just hacked off with God. They start off and, you know, you, you wonder, where is this going? Because it's very, uh, it's an angry outburst. But by the time you get to the end of the Psalm, the Psalmist has come around saying, you know, but even so, God is with us. God loves us. God cares for us. And so as we express our grief, I don't. I think we ought to be very uh, free in that, uh, acknowledge it. There are some things we've lost we're never going to get back. And if we can find ways to express that, but say, even so, God is with us in this, and we're going to learn from this, and we're going to move forward. Do you see, uh, within the churches that you're working with, do you see any common themes or threads emerging as churches and individual disciples begin answering those questions? What have we lost through COVID? What have we gained? What I see most often is that uh, pastors and other leaders are trying to find constructive ways for people to um, to address their address the situation and express their feelings. As I mentioned before, there are some things that we've lost that we'll never get back. We've missed those opportunities to celebrate our our children moving from preschool into school age and and giving Bibles that kind of thing. We've lost the kinds of experiences that come with our celebrating with our young people as they uh, go through, they get their driver's license and then they, they graduate from high school and those kind of things. We've lost the opportunity to, to minister to one another during the loss of the saints of the church. I think back over the, the past several months and, and people who have been very significant in the life of our congregation and, 
we have not been able to be physically present with their families. You know, those are things we've lost that we're not going to get back. But at the same time, we find opportunities to, to talk about that and express that. And one of the key things, you know, again, we've discovered is that uh, the people of God are strong and the, the, the church is not the building. It, it is the people of God. Uh, it is the people of God finding ways to connect with each other, even in the most difficult circumstances. I had a friend to post on Facebook a couple of months ago, asked me a question, asked, asked me, is your church still closed? And my response was, well, our church never closed. You know, the church is always open, but the building has been closed. We haven't been using the building in the last several months, but we found ways to, to encourage and help each other. I've been very impressed with uh, especially Bible study groups who have continued to, to connect during the pandemic and to support each other and encourage each other, even when they physically can't be together. So I guess if there are threads I see, it is that we've been able to overcome. Has it been the best option? No. We've had to go to option B, and option B is not always the best option. Even so, I think that there are some option Bs that have turned out to be pretty successful. And uh, maybe option B ought to become option A in the days ahead. But it's been a great time just to share and to learn together. And the impact is going to be with us. It's not going to go away anytime soon. There, there are key things in the life of every congregation that people look back to, you know, whether it's the loss of a great saint or, you know, a, a tragedy in the congregation or a, a, a great success that happened in a building program or whatever. But the pandemic is going to be one of those things that people are going to go back to and say, remember what we did during those days. And I think we have the opportunity to, to pick and choose there. You know, what are the things we say, we grieve this? And then what are the things where we can say, we can learn from this and move on from this? I think you're exactly right, Ursula, in thinking about this as one of those defining stories or defining experiences for our generation, you know, sort of a a once in a generation kind of story that we'll look back on and see how it has shaped things moving forward. And I'm glad for you to say that we do have some agency in this and in how we respond as individuals and as churches. And I had a seminary professor, our professor of spirituality, who was a Benedictine monk. And one of his many one-liners that I think came out of the wisdom of his Catholic tradition, he would tell us, do what you can, not what you can't. And I just think that in this situation, I mean, really in many situations that applies, but in this one particularly, do what we can, not what we can't. And how we respond out of who we are, who God's created us to be, out of the best of our tradition and out of the best of ourselves, that's going to really send us forward in some positive, hopeful ways, I think, or I hope. What else, kind of as a final question, is there anything else that seems important to you about this debriefing moment of the process? One of the things that I really appreciate about the approach that Mark Tisworth has taken in Reshape is that it is important to... um, to face the things that we have experienced, to, to recognize those as uh, real, uh, that they are a part of our experience. And we process that and 
find ways to carry on. We need to have the time to debrief. I mean, that's what that's what therapy is all about. We debrief the things that have happened to us in the past and then learn from that and move on. One of the biggest challenges is, is going to be to get people to take the time to do that. I'm sure you and a lot of our other listeners are hearing people saying, well, let's get back to the way things were. Let's get back to normal. There is no normal. There, this We are in a new situation that we haven't been in before. We lost a grandson to cancer several years ago. And uh, I guess a month or two after that, a church member spoke to my wife and trying to be very helpful in the comments that she was making. And she asked the question, are you back to normal yet? No, we weren't back to normal. We, we, we have not been back to normal. Whenever something traumatic happens in your life, you have to process that. And you're never what you were before. Our churches are never going to be what they were before, for good or ill. And we need to recognize that. We need to find opportunities to talk about that, not to, not to hide it away but to say this is something that has been very realistic. You know, one of the one of the great things about the Old Testament is it's very honest about the people of God. They messed up again and again, and they hopefully learned some things each time they messed up. God was gracious to them and gave them the space to do that. We need to give each other the space to just to talk about what's happened, to, to love and support each other, to celebrate our time back together, but say, this is what's happened. This is the real thing. And also realize that it may come again. You talked about people looking over their shoulder. I think it's a good lesson for us that we do live in volatile times and anything is possible, but it won't keep us down. We may be knocked down, but we get back up again and we keep going. Well, thanks so much, Ursul, for sharing out of your ministry experience, out of your personal experience. I really think this is going to be helpful. It's already been helpful to me. I think it's going to be helpful to our listeners. And I think that's it for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure to check out our website at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com to learn more about Pinnacle, Pastor Life, or how you can lead your church through the reshape process. And sign up for our weekly news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as session notes from this and previous podcasts. And you know what? When I grow up, I want to be Ursul Harrison. I think it's a good lesson for us that we do live in volatile times, and anything is possible, but it won't keep us down. We, we may be knocked up, uh, knocked down, but we get back <laughs> Don't edit that out. Let me change the wording there.